Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everybody, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. Thanks to, once again for the download and joining us at BaseballAmerica.com or on iTunes. I want to remind you this Baseball America College podcast is sponsored by ATEC, the baseball training machine company. At ATEC, we're committed to delivering tools to coaches to help train and develop players. Visit ATECSports.com to learn about training machines that can help make your practice more effective and efficient. See training tips and practice drills from Vanderbilt coach Tim Corbin and more on ATECSports.com. ATEC, win every practice. Dramatic pause there for Vanderbilt coach Tim Corbin. Aaron, we'll talk a little bit about Vanderbilt and the Southeastern Conference in this uh, edition of the podcast. Also going to talk a little bit more mid-major this week, as most conferences around the country have started their conference play, uh, the Big West being one of the prominent exceptions. But Aaron, let's start off at the top. Big series, obviously, this weekend, uh, North Carolina and, I mean, I'm sorry, North Carolina. We had South Carolina and Florida. Top-ranked Gators go to Columbia to play the two-time defending national champions, a rematch of last year's national championship series, uh, the Colorado Series Finals. And after losing the game Thursday that I was at, the Gators rallied to win the series on the road. And I guess when it's all said and done, Aaron, that's kind of what we expected. The number one team in the country, you kind of do expect to go on the road. Even against a team that was at the time ranked sixth, you expect them to win two out of three. You don't expect a sweep, but kind of uh, Florida kind of is who we thought they were. They're really, really good. Yeah, that's right, exactly. And um, I agree. I mean, they, I, I, I thought they would win two out of three. And, you know, even after they lost that first game, um, and, and it, 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 as you wrote, John, on the college blog, uh, since you were down there in Columbia, you wrote that it had that feel. It felt like being back in Omaha. And, you know, you've got Michael Roth and Matt Price doing their thing, and Price back in the bullpen where he belongs, closing it out. And, you know, they, they won that game, uh, you know, it, pretty convincingly in the, in the final innings there, 9-3, to three, and they broke it open a little bit. And, uh, and that was a big win for South Carolina, but Florida, you know, I think it, it shows you that this team is, is experienced. They're not just, you know, we've talked about this so many times, but they're not just a bunch of prospects. They're winning ball players, uh, and, and they, and they responded, you know, as, as you expect them to. And, uh, um, you know, it's a, it's obviously it's a big series win, but, um, you know, Florida's, Florida's rolling right now. Let's take both these programs going forward. These two teams, I should say, are in going forward. Uh, first, the South Carolina side of it. Clearly some issues in their pitching staff. I think we both agree that Matt Price in the bullpen makes sense for that club. Uh, Forrest Kumas, you wrote about his velocity being down. I think it had been talking to Ray Tanner pregame Thursday. It sounded like his velocity had been better on Sunday uh, in the last game of their previous series. Maybe it was Monday. Uh, you know, I forget. what It was a previous outing that Kumas had had where they had been encouraged by his velocity, but he – clearly struggled on Friday uh, in the, the starting the second game of that series. Kind of where, where do the Gamecocks go going forward with their pitching rotation with the injuries they have right now and the way that their rotation shaping up? Well, I think they have to hope that Kumis can regain his form and that you can stick with, you know, the rotation that won them a national championship last year, which is Roth, Kumis, and, and Colby Holmes. Um, I, I still think that can be a very – successful rotation i mean they've got other options if they if they need but uh i i think that uh you know that makes sense to me i mean to me the question that i have uh is you know how their how their their lineup is going to shake out i mean whether those guys are going to uh um you know especially the freshmen that we've talked about so much you know pancake and grinder and you know english i mean will those guys be able to carry the load i mean i don't know what your impression was from the one game you saw but uh you know that to me remains the question mark about South Carolina, and, and we'll see um, down the stretch if it gets answered. I have a lot of confidence in that coaching staff and, and, and the veterans in that program. I have a feeling South Carolina is going to be just fine, but um, whether or not they're a national championship caliber team again remains to be seen. Yeah, I think you, I think you're right. They're they're awfully young in some important places, and you know, I have a real I, I see the talent with Grayson Griner and Joey Pancake, but there's some real significant issues there. Um, Grayson Griner, 
uh, is close to having a real issue in terms of his throwing, just getting the ball back to the pitcher, Aaron. I don't know. I guess you watched one of the games on ESPN3. I mean, he gave up a delayed steal or two against Furman. I think SEC teams are going to take advantage of that uh, as the year goes on if he doesn't get over that. And, you know, he was overmatched by experienced, good pitching uh, the whole weekend. Uh, And then Joey Pancake, I mean, I think offensively and confidence-wise, that guy belongs in the SEC. I mean, he's he's a really talented player. You know, there were two plays in Thursday's game where you could see the issues that scouts had, where scouts weren't even sure if he could step in and play shortstop at the Division I level. You know, he's got some similarities to a Drew Meyer physically, but he's not as fluid as Drew Meyer was early in his South Carolina career defensively. And uh, I think, like Drew Meyer, Joey Pancake really trusts his arm and has some playmaking ability at shortstop. But he's, he's going to be error prone. He's not going to be uh, tr- uh, Haney, and he's not going to be. It was Bobby Haney, right? Two years yeah. ago, and it's, uh, and then last year's uh, shortstop Peter Mooney. He's not those guys. He's not as reliable. And the bottom line is, Scott Wingo is not walking to that door. Uh, Eric Payne's got some offensive upside, but he's not Scott Wingo defensively. And uh, Mooney and, and Haney are not walking through that door defensively for South Carolina. And so defensively up the middle, they're very young, very inexperienced, and it showed on Thursday. I think it's shown a little bit all year. So, you know, we'll see how that is going forward. I, I still think South Carolina has the potential to be an Omaha team. They do not have the same feel as their last couple of clubs where you just knew right. that they were at, they were the, such an efficient defensive team. Uh, they do not. Uh, show me that uh, this year. There's not. I don't think there's ample evidence to say that they're going to be a defensive, an efficient defensive team on the infield like they were the last couple of years. Meanwhile, Florida. Right. You know, the reason we ranked them number one in the preseason was their talent, but also their depth and their experience. That depth is being tested. It's already been tested with Carson Winston's injury. Jonathan Crawford is stepping forward very nicely, filling that role uh, as the number three starter. Now they have the injury to their third baseman, Josh Tobias, and they clearly have some issues with their outfield defense, Aaron, where they even put Cody Dent in the outfield this weekend for the first time. Um, what's kind of the prognosis for uh, how does this team uh, react to the loss of a starter? I'll be the freshman in Josh Tobias at third yeah. base. Kind of what's the shuffling going for them? Because it feels like they can't just stick Dent at third base because they need him to be that super utility guy. Yeah, it hurts on the heels of losing Tyler Thompson to that torn ACL. Now you lose your third baseman as well as your center fielder. So I think I think they have to basically put um, Dent at third. I mean, you like him as a utility guy, but I think, you know, I mean, they got to the championship last year um, with Dent basically being their third baseman. I mean, they, they shuffled it around a lot, but, um, you know, he, he played a lot of meaningful innings at third base. Um, you know, he's not a great offensive player, but he's athletic, and, you know, he's he's a good defender. Uh, and then I think you have to put Jonathan uh, Daniel Piggott, rather Jonathan's brother, um, at, uh, at in center field, and, and you play the freshman Justin Schaefer in left, or you play, you know, the Cash Ramjet out there, um, you know, who, who I think could could handle that. I mean, he's not going to be a standout, but outfield defense was never Florida's strength. I mean, if you're looking for a chink in their armor, that was always it. Right. Um, and it'll it'll just be amplified a little bit more now. So I, gotta I mean, this team isn't flawless. Yeah, the back half of their lineup, Aaron, is pretty pedestrian. I mean, Fontana, P- Pygod, yeah. Tucker, Zanino, Johnson, that, that top five they ran out in the third game of the series. That's a really nice top five, left, right, you know, great table setter, balance, experience. Then you go Gashu, uh, Turgeon, Ramjet, Det. I mean, obviously Ramjet hit two home runs on Friday, and he's capable. And there's a lot of talented freshmen there, and then Dent – but, the, you know, this is not Stanford's lineup. I think beginning of the year, we thought Stanford was a better lineup than Florida, but the gap wasn't that great. I think the gap keeps getting bigger because Stanford does not have as many pitchable guys as Florida does. You know, I mean, I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, you know, Gushu isn't a name per se yet, but he's. I think he's really good. I think he can really hit. He's only a freshman, but, I mean, you know, he he's he's a – tough out and he's got some power and obviously I like Ramjit. I mean, it's another guy that I think um, is, is formidable as, as a lower half of the lineup guy. I mean, I, I, I don't think, um, you know, I mean, Dent to me is the only guy down there that seems like is really an easy out. I'm not saying those guys are easy outs. I'm saying they're not as good as Stanford where Stanford's five hole hitter is King to Kroger, uh, you know, unsigned right. second rounder of high school, 
a junior versus a freshman switch hitting interesting player. Tanner Gashu is talented, but I'd take the Kroger. Uh, Austin Wilson hitting seventh, you know, for Stanford, uh, and the depth they have down there. Lonnie Coppola hitting eighth. I mean, that's just it's a deeper lineup. I'm not saying Florida's lineup stinks. Yeah. I'm just saying you know, I'm comparing it to Stanford because these are the top two teams in the country. Right, right. And we I think we already thought Stanford's lineup was was better, but now I think it's the gap right. is a little bit wider because of this attrition in the in the Florida lineup. So I'm not trying to. Uh, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I would I would agree with you then. Okay, uh, it's the baseball. That, that's what we're going for. <laughs> the Baseball America podcast with John and Aaron. Uh, Aaron, the rest of the SEC, you're going to wrap up pretty quickly. But Arkansas keeps impressing. Uh, they win another series uh, this weekend, and if this one they go on the road, uh, beat Mississippi State despite the explosion by uh, my boy Hunter Re- Hunter Renfro, uh, one of the all-time personal cheese balls. Uh, and then Kentucky goes on the road and wins a series, albeit at Tennessee, not the most talented team in the Southeastern Conference, but I think we think well coached. And um, what was a bigger, what was the next most uh, interesting series in the Southeastern Conference to you? Well, Auburn to me. Is is I think a, a very interesting team now. I mean, um, you know, coming into the year, we had you know kind of low or at best modest expectations for Auburn. We didn't have them as a regional team. I still don't know if they are a regional team or not. But you've got to start taking notice of them. You know, they've now won back-to-back series at Ole Miss and home against LSU. Um, they're winning a lot of close games. Um, you know, their their run differential isn't going to impress you too much in conference. But I mean, they uh, you know they. They're they're interesting. They're very athletic. Um, they have some some arms. I, I kind of like the bullpen with the veterans back there. With um, Justin Bryant now recovered from Tommy John surgery, is, is, is you know kind of occupying that closer role for them. Um, you know, and you've got Slade Smith back there and the lefty Corey Lucky. It's kind of a nice little group. And um, it's you know it's again it's not your your typical Auburn team. Just like it's not your typical LSU team that you think about. I mean Auburn. You think about it as a team that's going to sit back and, and wail away and hit a bunch of home runs. I mean, two years ago, I think they hit something like 130 home runs with that you know, SEC right. uh, West uh, championship team. Um, this team it doesn't have much power, but it has a lot of speed. Um, and, you know, they could, be, they could be dangerous. And, Aaron, the schedule actually sets up pretty well for Auburn uh, when you look at it. Um, they've obviously opened – first of all, they've done it on the field, so they've, they've won their first two series – uh, they've got Mississippi State at home, and they're at Alabama, but Alabama is certainly a series that's, that's winnable for Auburn. Uh, their last two series are at Arkansas and home to Florida, but those are the two best teams in the Southeastern Conference, and they play them last. So they have a chance to uh, get some confidence. I mean, obviously there's no easy series in that league, but I think I'd rather have Auburn's schedule where you've already won a couple series, you've already got some confidence, and you'll have a chance to, to put together, if, if they continue playing well, a pretty nice record before you run into, uh, you know, Arkansas and Florida, which I think if you go two and four in those uh, six games, you'd be very happy uh, if you're Auburn. So yeah. uh, John Pulaski's got to be happy about that. I guess the other, uh, you know, the other flip side of that is LSU. I mean, have we got a decent read on LSU? First time they go on the road and, and they struggle. I mean, App State lost a series this weekend to Elon, so they're not in the rankings. But you, we're always going to kind of have that App State series in our in our heads this, this year for the Tigers. Um, doesn't seem like LSU's terribly offensive. No, they're not. And, you know, we didn't expect them to be. We thought this would be a team that would win a lot of games because of their, their pitching and because, you know, they, they've got some experience in the lineup and you expect them to string together some offense, but they're, they're not going to, they're not going to blow anybody's doors off offensively. And, and, um, you know, it's an, this weekend, I think it was, you know, was it three more one run games yeah. in that series? I mean, yep. There's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of close games for LSU. They need the bullpen to be reliable, uh, which is why you know I, I thought it was encouraging that Kurt McCune came out on Sunday and, and picked up the save. Maybe that's the role for him, and maybe that you know that kind of answers one of their questions is is who who finishes games. Um, you know I, I know they like Nick Goody, but uh, you know McCune uh, seems like you know if, if he if he can be that guy back there and you can have Goody as your maybe your setup man. Um, I like their staff a little bit more. Yeah, and that's a good point. I like uh, I like the idea of McCune uh, finishing out games in the Southeastern Conference. You got you, it doesn't seem like a team can succeed in that league without a really reliable closer. Not to mention a whole bullpen. I mean, obviously last year we saw the three teams in Omaha with either super deep bullpens or the best two man bullpen you ever saw, like South Carolina had. So uh, that certainly right. helps. 
Uh, let's let's switch gears a little bit. We talked, we teased it last week. We're gonna do a little bit more mid majory uh, podcast this week. Let's shift to the to the to Conference USA, Aaron, where they just started uh, conference play uh, this weekend. We have obviously two teams in the top twenty-five, uh, Rice, which we've talked I think a, a decent amount about this year. Uh, we I, I correct me if I'm wrong. We had no Austin Kibitza this weekend, right? Well, he didn't pitch. I think he he basically just got moved out of the rotation, and and then they're they're giving him some time off to try to figure out what's going on with him. Um, right. So, you know we'll We'll see what happens there, but you know it's nice that Andrew Banak has has pitched well in, in the midweek, and uh, you know they could just slide him into that Sunday role and he pitched well. Right. So that's you know uh, I tells you a little bit about about Rice, and we had a great uh, conversation last night with the former Rice pitcher Joe Savory. He was a guest on the Baseball America show on uh, Sirius XM last night at seven o'clock Eastern time. We do that show every week, and Joe was awesome talking about Coach Graham and Rice and that Rice perception. So that's going to be a uh, a story for down the line with the perception of Rice pitchers. I think he said it was uh, get get your money and get hurt. He said is that what he heard all through pro ball. And now, of course, um, you know he's picked uh, his velocity has gone back up as he's gone back into uh, playing infield. And he made the major leagues last year. So after switching, after giving up pitching in the first half of last year and just being a first baseman, uh, it was a great story. And we'll have more about that. Uh, we've we've written about it, but we'll have more about it coming up at BaseballAmerica.com. Um, but the big series in the league, obviously in the in the Conference USA this weekend, uh, was the uh, East Carolina Central Florida series. They like to be called UCF and ECU. And Aaron, I guess uh, you know, basically UCF kind of held serve, uh, winning the series at home, not quite able to get the sweep. Um, what do we learn from this uh, weekend series? Uh, is this pretty much just what we were expected? Any any surprises out of this weekend series for you? I wouldn't say so. I mean, I honestly, I, I thought that uh, both teams would, would pitch a little better. So I guess that's a little bit of a surprise. I mean, yeah. uh, Friday's game was, was a very well-pitched game, and, and the last two games weren't. Um, and, you know, interestingly, you know, you think of Central Florida as, as a an offensive club, John, but um, their pitching so far has really been a little better than their hitting, um, you know, and, and – uh, they, they got their bats going a little bit on, on Saturday, and certainly they've they've got a lot of offensive upside. You know, there's a lot of veterans now in that lineup, but um, you know they they uh, they're still trying to figure out the back of their rotation for one thing. I mean, they moved Eric Skoglin, the freshman, now into that that Sunday role uh, this week. You know, they, entering the weekend, they weren't sure who they were going to use on Sunday, um, and you know he, that didn't work out. I mean, he might be the guy, him or, or Garrett Nuss, another freshman. Right. Um, I mean, they've got some options. Uh, they like Ray Hansen, the job that he's done. Uh, but uh, you know they need to figure that out. Ben Lively um, is really the maybe the the big X factor for UCF. I mean he uh, he threw that that Saturday game not well. Um, he's been a little up and down for them. I mean he's got some of the best stuff on that staff. He probably has the best arm on that staff, but uh, he hasn't been able to to put it together consistently. You know the, the consistency is what he's still looking for. Um, and you look at East Carolina, you know, I think their, their weekend staff had been more consistent coming into this weekend. And then Tyler Joyner did not, um, you know, he, he did not pitch well on Saturday, took the loss. Um, and I think it went like three innings and, and on Sunday, uh, you know, Jarrell Cotton did pitch well. So, I mean, that, that's been a real bright spot for them. Uh, I think there were some questions coming into the year, you know, how ready that guy would be for division one. Right. Um, and he's proven to be very ready. I think he's five and oh now. I think you're right. No, I think I that's a great read on that series that Central Florida we kind of thought would be maybe a little bit better. Uh, we, we thought they were going to be an, a more of an offensive club than they had shown. Um, the fact they kind of broke the bats out a little bit against a uh, pitching staff that we think is pretty good at East Carolina, I think is certainly a good sign uh, for UCF. And the rest of the league, Aaron, I mean, how I know it's early. Uh, how's this league looking in terms of uh, you know, its overall picture, its overall strength at this point in the season? I mean, it's early, but Southern Mississippi seems like uh, that freshman class, uh, you know, very talented freshman group, third-ranked uh, recruiting class in the country. They haven't quite blown anybody's doors off, but they've played a pretty tough schedule. Um, it feels like it's a, probably a four-bid league kind of way it's looking. Uh, maybe they have a shot at more? I don't – I mean, I don't expect that. In fact, if I had to pick today, I might even call it a three-bid league because, um, you know – I'm a little I'm a little concerned about Southern Miss. I mean, they they lost a series to Murray State last week at home. Um, you know, they've uh, they've been they've been up and down. I mean, they've they've got some losses that make you shake your head a little bit. 
it. Uh, they, they'll probably wind up getting it together. I think that this is you know one of those young teams that could peak down the stretch when it matters most, uh, or they could wear down down the stretch. You don't ever know when you've got the when you're leaning that heavily on freshmen. Right. I mean, sometimes even really talented freshmen do wear down down the stretch. It's just you know the rigors of the Division One season takes its toll. But um, I, I feel pretty good about about East, East Carolina. Um, I do think they're going to be a regional team. Um, obviously, Rice and, and UCF. After that, I think it's you know it's open for for interpretation. I mean, Tulane had a really inexplicable loss this weekend against uh, um, who was it, John? Was it UMass? I just I would um, have to remember. It, it was UMBC. It that was, was it. it was UMBC. Um, you know that's that's a, that's a, that's a game you shouldn't lose. Uh, you know, so Tulane got off to a decent start. Uh, and then they kind of hit a, a little bit of a wall. They lost that series at Wichita. Now they've lost, or they lost the game at UMBC. They did win the series, but um, you know I don't know about their team. They, I think Tulane, Southern Miss, you know UAB maybe. Um, those teams will have a shot at, at, at making a regional run, but right now I, I don't feel great about any of them. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to me that Southern Miss. I mean. This is kind of a, a what if uh, you, know, you can play the what if game all day, but two of their two thirds of the rotation is at Bellevue at the NAIA school and Jeffrey Thompson and I forget the other right hander's name. Um, but their freshmen are doing exactly what we thought they'd do, you know, as good as as well as uh, Connor Barron has hit and Mason Robbins. I mean, those 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 guys are just raking. I mean, those guys are really hitting the cover off the ball. But like you said, their inconsistency. I mean, just losing those two pitchers. I think it just really made uh, when you don't have great pitching. I, that's what makes you inconsistent. You just can't win. You can't win, uh, but so many uh, high scoring. You know, there's the, the, the those kind of games are just, just too hard to be consistent that way. Um, another kind of similar league is the Big West, and the Big West there and is kind of you know the Conference USA has kind of turned into Rice and everyone else over the last few years. And the Big West has kind of been the same way. It's pretty much Fullerton and everybody else. With the Irvine, I guess, being the strongest, is a stronger, consistent two in the Big West. Then I guess they're kind of analogous to Southern Miss. Both teams have made one regional, uh, one college series trip in recent years, and you know, fairly consistent regional or even super regional clubs. And right now, it looks like in the Big yeah, I West, I think both those teams. I think both those teams have gone to regional. Uh, at least six years in a row. For Southern Miss has been longer than that. So I mean, like you said, they both those two programs have been very consistent, solid kind of number two two programs in those leagues. Right, and then this it seems like this year in the Big West, uh, you've got Fullerton, uh, highest ranked team, no other team that's ranked this year, but Irvine and Cal Poly both. Although they have, uh, I don't know what their RPIs are, but in terms of what kind of teams they are, these are both regional talent clubs, right? I think that's fair to say. I mean, you know, coming into the year, I was obviously really high on Irvine. I had them as my uh, preseason Omaha sleeper, and um, you know, it, I don't know if if, <laughs> if that's going to happen or not. I mean, they've again, there's another team that's you know had some some losses to make you wonder. I mean, they lost the home series to Washington back in week two, which it's an improved Washington team, but that's a series that if you're Irvine, uh, I think you have to win, especially you know that early in the season against like, a colder weather team. Right. Um, you know they. Uh, they they're not again. I mean, this is a, this is a, a team that's not an offensive juggernaut. Um, you know, they've got some nice veterans. I really like DJ Crumlick and you know Jordan Fox and Tommy Reyes, some of these seniors. Um, but uh, you know, it's a, all, you look at their roster, John, and and even on the mound. I mean, I think they pitch pretty well. I like some of their arms. They don't have any really big arms. Right. It's a lot of you know mid mid eighties, high eighties guys, pitchability guys, change up guys, and. Um, you know, they're solid guys, but there's not a huge margin for error with Irvine. You know, they've got a, they've got a, they're going to beat people because they're, they're well coached and, and they have to play, uh, execute at a high level. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they haven't been terribly consistent with that so far, but, you know, they did sweep Dartmouth this weekend, um, head, heading into to conference play on a little bit of a high note, you know, we'll see how, uh, how that works for them. But I, mean, I think Cal Poly probably has a little bit more, uh, firepower, um, you know, in their lineup, and uh, Cal Poly has had some some nice weekends. I mean, you talk about a common opponent. Cal Poly uh, won two out of three against Washington. Right. You know, rather than losing two out of three, uh, and you know, Poly I, I think uh, swept Loyola Marymount in a four game series early on, which you know that LMU team is all right. I mean, they're they're you know they've got some really good young talent. So that's a nice series win on the road for Poly. Um, you know, they uh, the Mustangs lost two out of three at Minnesota. 
Minnesota last week, close series. Um, you know, but uh, they're they're dangerous, and I think that both those teams are regional contenders. This probably ends up being a, a no more than a two bid league, honestly, with the the way the RPI is okay. um, in that league. I, I I don't think you'll you end up seeing three teams, but I think Irvine or Poly, one of those teams, should be able to to make a run. Yeah, the thing I like about Poly is it seems like they are a little bit more offensive, a little bit more physical. A uh, guy like Hanager, Mitch Hanager, who's a uh, gives them some pop. It seems like they have a little bit more margin for error. Than Irvine, I think Irvine may probably have a bit, a little bit deeper lineup, a little bit deeper pitching staff. But it seems like, uh, is that a fair read? Polly's got a, you know a little bit more pop offensively, and just has it seems like it has a little yeah. bit more, a few more options in the rotation. I think that's I think that is true, I and mean, that's uh, that that's the way I would break it down. I mean, I I like, you know, typically it seems like Irvine is able to get a little bit more out of what they have than Polly has. I mean, you know. It, uh, I think Polly's had some talent over the years and just has, has gotten some bad breaks and they've had injuries here and there and they've gotten snubbed by the committee and it's just you know it, it's been uh, it's been difficult at times for that program but uh, you know this year I, I do think Polly has more more pro talent than than Irvine and um, ultimately you know I'm not sure which one of those teams is better we'll, we'll see once we get into conference play. And that's how it starts this weekend. Uh, and meanwhile, Cal State Fulton here and uh, rolling along in, in in some ways, but still only 14 and eight. I mean, this feel like this is a team that's really gonna have to get it done more with effort and execution than overwhelming anyone talent-wise. They don't. Yeah. They, they don't. They are not ta- in terms of talent. They're not far and above, far and away ahead of Cal Poly and, and Irvine, are they? And it feels like they're better, but not worlds better. No, that's right. They're not. I mean, you know, the they've got the best player in the league, Michael Lorenzen, who, um, you know, has, has the best arm in the league out of the bullpen, and he's that experiment has worked very well for them. I think he's got five saves now or six. Yeah. Um, and he's, you know, he comes out there just blowing smoke, and of course he's he's he makes their whole team go offensively, and is a great defender with a strong arm in center field, and you know that's a that's a it's a great it's a great piece to have. But you know, you look at the middle of the, their lineup, and I saw them on on Thursday. Day against Oral Roberts, and you know you've got little uh, Anthony Hudding at what five foot, maybe five ten, and, right. and Anth- hitting 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 cleanup for you, and you've got Anthony Trajano hitting, you know, who's five what five eight, maybe five seven. I mean that guy's hitting like that. four or five. I mean they they got these tiny little guys in the middle of their lineup, and um, it's you know Richie Pedroza is about Chris Cates uh, plus two inches maybe. I mean he's <laughs> he's a tiny little guy. I mean he's he's a I, li- I love Richie Pedroza. I think he's an exciting you know, fast twitch kind of athlete, but um, it's not a physical team. I mean, Carlos Lopez can really hit. I uh, like that guy quite a bit. He's just a line drive machine, uh, but even he's not going to hit for a lot of power. You know, I mean, they were kind of joking up at Fullerton on Thursday that their fans, uh, you know, they, they get excited for a ball that reaches the warning track. You know, it's, <laughs> you, you just don't, you just don't see, you just don't see a lot of home runs in that league period, but especially at, at Fullerton with this team, the way they're, they're, they're um, constructed. So, you know, they're one of those teams that you watch them, and and I think I said this in the chat last week, and they just they kind of look like an average team. You know, they're they don't look special, uh, but at the end of the weekend they've won two out of three, and, and they played a really tough schedule. I mean, that 13 and uh, 14 and eight now is you know it's impressive when you think of the fact that they went to Florida, one of only two teams to beat Florida this year. Uh, they went to Texas A&M, which I really liked A&M's team. Uh, you know, they played TCU at home, and you know TCU was banged up and has struggled a little bit, but it's still a great series. And I mean, this is, it's been a good schedule. Um, they, they find ways to win. They, they do have, you know, a, a really good Friday guy that you can trust with Dylan Floro guy. who's just always gonna be around the zone. I mean, he's not real different um, from Adam Plutko. He's just a, you know, at UCLA. I mean, uh, as far as you're looking at guys in the West coast, number one starters, um, those guys are, are pretty comparable. I mean, they're both kind of 86 to 89, you know, know how to pitch, uh, command guys, and uh, um, you know, I think Puerto has more upside. But um, you know, the, the the question with Fullerton is the rest of the staff. You know, they've got freshmen now going the next two days with um, Kenny Matthews, who's who's really exciting, but is a guy that has to be, you know, I mean, he's 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 going to have his ups and downs. I mean, they, he's basically a guy that they just got so much life on his ball that he doesn't know where it's going, so he just throws it down the middle and. You know, it'll go. It'll run away, or it'll run in on hitters, and he doesn't know. Uh, so they right. just call. They just call a fastball right down the middle and see what happens. I mean, that's 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 great that he's got such such life. Uh, he's clearly talented, but I mean, that that gives you some cause for concern down the road. How is this going to really work? Yeah, I mean, 
they're they're a fascinating club because they have uh I like you said in terms of their resume it's as good a resume as uh, really they've played a very strong schedule and they have been competitive with all comers which I think is a testament to Rick Vanderhoek a guy who waited a long time to be a head coach and uh doing doing something with his opportunity so kudos to him and, and to the Titans it's the Baseball America podcast uh, along with John uh, with Aaron Fit I'm sorry I'm John Manuel uh, the podcast is sponsored by ATEC, the baseball training machine company. ATEC is committed to delivering tools to coaches to help train and develop players. Visit ATECSports.com to learn about training machines that can help make your practice more effective and efficient. See training tips and practice drills from Vanderbilt head coach Tim Corbin and more on ATECSports.com. ATEC, win every practice. Aaron, let's shift gears to the Big East. We had a Big East team ranked to start the year in Louisville. Uh, the Cardinals open conference play this weekend with a sweep. Uh, they've won, I think it's eight straight, and they're kind of following, uh, uh, you know, a different script than we thought they would follow to, to start the year. We really like their pitching, and we still like their pitching talent, but they've been a little bit more offensive uh, than I think we probably thought. I mean, they're hitting 330 as a team, and we knew they'd steal bases. I mean, my, my boy Adam Engel, who was, uh, I think I saw him run a 6'7", 60 last year at the Coastal Plain League uh, All-Star Game with 18 bags already. Uh, Stuart Imes, the veteran, producing the power in the middle of the lineup. Uh, this is like a, 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 a team that's living up to preseason expectations, just doing it in a different way. That's a good point. You know, they they have uh, they have been, been pretty offensive, and, and I agree with you. I think that was the question about this team, and I know that you know Dan McDonald coming into the year was excited about his team's offensive ability, but you know they had they had some some questions to answer. I mean, they needed to prove it. Um, and, and Ty Young, you know, is a guy that has been very talented there that they expected a lot from as a sophomore now, and, and uh, he leaves the team in, in hitting at 429, and uh, he's a really good athlete and, and a, just a nice piece for them. And uh, you know, they they uh, on the mound, I, I still I still think that you know the depth of this pitching staff is a real asset. Um, but uh, you know. I, you're right. I mean, it seems like they've they've been even better in the lineup than they have on the mound so far. Yeah, and that league, uh, the Big East, has been. It feels like that league's uh, off to a good start, even though St. John's hasn't quite lived up to maybe some preseason expectations. At the same time, I mean, can you really peg, um, you know, this league down the line? Is there who's the most likely, uh, you know, team to get a second bid out of this league? Because it really doesn't feel like the Big East is ever going to be more than a two- or three-bid league max, and this year it feels like it's more of a two-bid league. Yeah, and that's honestly, that's if somebody upsets Louisville in the conference tournament. I feel like St. John's put itself in a little bit of a hole early. To me, St. John's feels like the only other team that has, you know, really regional caliber talent and, and could have competed for an at-large bid if they'd gotten off to a better start. Maybe they will get hot, really hot, and, and, and they will make a, a, a run in at-large. But uh, right now, I mean, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, think Notre Dame or South Florida, those teams that, or UConn even, those teams that are 3-0 and in the league, those don't really strike me as at-large kind of teams this year. Um, I think St. John's has at-large ability, but they're going to need to get really hot in order to do that. And I was going to ask you about the Fighting Irish. Um, obviously, there's been some, some tumult there, some, a couple coaching changes the last uh, six, seven years. It hasn't been the same really since uh, Paul Maneri left for LSU. And yeah, the, the Fighting Irish does have a win at LSU this year. Uh, kind of, you know, Pat Connaughton back from the basketball team uh, with some fanfare last week. Uh, had a bunch of strikeouts. I think he struck out the side in his first inning. Uh, what, you know, what's what are things looking for there with the, what, what's the upside there with Mick Aoki and that and that club is there? Uh, and what do they have to do? What would have to happen for them to challenge for a, an at-large bid? I mean, you know, I I just don't I just don't see it. I mean, I feel like they're a scrappy team. That's, um, you know, mixed teams are always are always going to be one of those hard nosed teams that you know play a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I feel like, and and uh, and, and and that's what this team feels like to me. But I mean, the talent, I just I just don't think it's there yet. I think it's going to take a little bit more time for them to, you know, to to get the talent going to to a point that they can compete for an at large. I mean, on the mound, I think, uh, uh, you know. Will Hudgens has been really good for them. I mean, that's a guy that's uh, uh, racked up the strikeouts and gives you a really reliable starter. But um, you know, the rest of the rotation I think is is just okay. Um, you know, this, this is a team that offensively um, has struggled at times. I mean, they they went down to Texas State and got shut out for what two or three games in a row down there. Right. Um, I mean, it's I don't know. I mean, it's it's it, 
they're off to a decent start now, 15 and 7. It's probably a little better than I thought they would be, but um, the, the verdict is still out. I'm, I'm, I'm not sold at this point. I like the fact that uh, Connor Biggio is getting some playing time. He leads the team in stolen bases. That's, of course, the son of Craig. We've got some, we got some name players on this team. We've got a Biggio, and then, of course, you have Connaughton, who played basketball this year. And uh, you know, back now that the basketball season's over, we'll see how long that can, uh, how, how long he can contribute to the baseball team. I just think it's really, really hard to play two sports these days, uh, Aaron, and, he, and he's giving it a whirl. It's a Baseball America podcast with John and Aaron. Before we uh, log out of the uh, podcast here, Aaron, uh, some impressive performances over the weekend. You blogged a little bit about uh, – there's some pieces of news we need to make sure we get to. You blogged a little bit about uh, two things this weekend, Michael Waka for Texas A&M. You talked how much you like Michael Waka and the Aggies, and then the Colin Moran injury with North Carolina. Let's, let's first go on the positive tip, uh, talk about Michael Waka from a draft perspective uh, as well as from what it means for a, a Texas A&M perspective because we talk about this. You know, I cu- the note that stuck out to me in reading what you wrote about Waka and then in the tra- top 25 tracker is you know, four straight complete games for Texas A&M. I mean, how does Michael Waka avoid the fate that befell Barrett Laux, that befell Josh uh, uh, or Stinson? I forget the closer last year. What was it John Stilson. John Stilson, thank you. Um, that befell, who was the freshman left-hander who ended up getting hurt and never came out? David Hale? Uh, uh, uh Ross Hales. Ross Ross Hales, right? Yeah, Ross Hales. What you know? What's going to keep Michael Walker from avoiding that fate? Uh, can these guys? Can these guys? Can him and Ross Stripling uh, keep up under the pretty heavy workload they're going through right now for Coach Childress? I mean, that's that is the reputation for Texas A&M's pitching staff and for Coach Childress's pitching staff back in Nebraska as well. Uh, but how good was Walker, and do you think he can hold up, uh, keep this performance going the whole season going into the draft? Well. Those guys have been very efficient, you know, which is one reason they've been able to go deep into the game. I mean, both uh, Waka and Stripling this weekend, you know, it's not like they were dealing with real elevated pitch counts. I mean, Waka had a perfect game into the eighth inning, so, you know, he clearly was mowing them down. Um, you're right. I mean, there, there's a there's a little bit of a, a, a history there of, of Texas A&M guys throwing a lot of innings, and some of them have gotten hurt, you know, and that's something to keep an eye on, but... Um, you know, Michael Walker physically is, is a real, he's a horse. I mean, he's six foot six and, um, you know, he's, uh, he's a strong, strong guy who's got great stuff. I mean, it was 91 to 96 this week. I mean, kind of, he, he peaked at 95, 96, pitched kind of 91, 93, held it deep into the game. You know, he's got a filthy changeup, of course. Uh, you know, he, he's able to mix in the slider for, against right-handed hitters and he'll drop in a curveball for a strike early in the count. And, you know, I, I think uh, it sounded like even against Kansas State last week, um, you know, he didn't pitch that badly. He just kind of had one inning that got away from him, really got away from him. Um, but, uh, you know, the stuff was good. I mean, it, he's he's a winner. You know, he's he's he's. Uh, I like that team a lot. I like him and Stripling. You know, Stripling, of course, with that power curveball that he's got, such a great pitch. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's a for senior. I mean, he's as good a senior, I think, it, out, outside of Michael Roth, I guess. I mean, he's as good a senior as you'll see out there on the mound. Uh, you know, a guy who's he's pretty firm. I mean, 89-91 uh, with that, that really good curveball and right. uh, good changeup. I mean, he's that, that one-two punch is fantastic for them. And I do like their bullpen. Um, I mean, they, you know, they, uh, they've got a real weapon back there with Kyle Martin, that power submarine guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, they like Daniel Mengden, the freshman, quite a bit. Esteban Uriegas, uh has been a key piece for them. You know, those are kind of the key guys. Gandy Stubblefield's got a big arm. Um, you know, the freshman, a lot of talent there. So uh, I, I think with their bullpen, they should be able to keep those those big arms in the rotation fresh. Is catcher kind of the big question mark for them? Because I know they, they would like to try to do Ming, have Mengden do both, but that, that's really not plausible. Uh, you know, Cole Langford hitting 065. Uh, so they have a little more offensive option in Troy Stein. Uh, how do you see that shaking out for the Aggies? Is that going to be an issue for them going forward? They kind of thought coming into the year that it, it would be a catcher-by-committee deal. They okay. had four guys, actually, that they liked. Uh, and you mentioned two of them, and Mitchell Mao is another one, and, and, Lang- and Mengden. And, you know, I think uh, I think they realize that Mengden, it's most important for him to be they're kind of one of those bullpen anchors for them, and so they're not going to – uh, they're not going to try to put too much strain on him by making him catch as well. But uh, you know they they like all those other guys. I mean they're you know they're they're solid defenders. I mean offensively of course you know they haven't gotten a lot out of them. But 
you know, they don't need a lot out of those guys right. offensively. I mean, this team, I think, is, is, is a pretty good offensive team with a ton of speed that really is, is a major weapon. You know, they, it's, it's like I think A&M's best teams have had – have really caused a lot of havoc in the base paths. You know, you think back to, you know, Blake, Stol- Blake Stoffer in his prime when he was he had his great season, and, um, you know, they had Brandon Hicks running around and, you know, all these guys that just forced the action, and Ben Felton, they're stealing all those bases. I mean, this team, to me, has that kind of feel offensively. They, they suffocate you a little bit, um, you know, and, and I, I think, to me, when I look at the Big 12, you know, and, and I've <laughs> seen a lot of the Big 12 so far, um, I think I think A and M is the clear cut favorite. I think they're a strong favorite. I like their team a lot better than Texas and Oklahoma and and Baylor. Uh, you know I've seen all those teams too, and and I just feel like the Aggies are more complete than any of them. I think you're right, Aaron. I think that was our feeling coming into the year, and that that has been reinforced by the uh, early season returns. Uh, last thing here on the podcast is uh, in North Carolina and North Carolina State play tonight. They finish up their series. Uh, or their series, as I feel like I'm compelled to say after me after seeing uh, Ray Tanner. Um, so the Tar Heels and Wolfpack, it's already gotten a little heated. Uh, ESPNU tonight, uh, game three of a series, and uh, North Carolina. Every, everything has changed, I think, Aaron, in the in the ACC race. You have Florida State just going out there. They got their first loss of the year, but they're just kind of taking teams apart. <laughs> Uh, pitching better than we thought they would, and uh, the offense kind of same as it ever was. James Ramsey having a tremendous year for them. But now you have last year's National Freshman of the Year, Colin Moran, go down for North Carolina, hitting 389, 458, 556. Clearly the engine that drives that offense, and now he breaks his hand and is going to miss probably, uh, it sounds like around a month. Um, you know, What does this mean for North Carolina going forward and for the rest of the ACC race? It really feels like, to me, it makes Florida State the prohibitive favorite going forward in the ACC regular season race. I agree with you. I really do. I thought it was pretty close between those two teams anyway, and now you take away North Carolina's best player for a month. Um, you know, Florida State is playing at a high level. You know, I watched uh, I DVR'd a couple of their games against Virginia last weekend and, and watched them this week and just came away really impressed with you know the, with their their whole club. I mean, they they looked really you know, good they, in that series. Just, they they really did. I I love the infield. All those all those veteran guys with Jace Boyd and Devin Travis and Justin Gonzalez uh, and Sherman Johnson. Those are four experienced players that are you know winning players. That uh, you know they're just perfect classic Florida State players. They, Absolutely. They, um, you know they they work counts and they uh, you know they, they got some pop and they really wear the, wear out the gaps and go the other way and it's just uh, you know and then you throw Ramsey out there and uh, um, you know. Their, their their pitching staff is it's it's sometimes you know they surprise you a little bit. I mean it's not big stuff, but um, I like the way their bullpen is structured actually with Robert Benincasa back there and Hunter Scantling. You know they've kind of built this this pitching staff um, you know inside out a little bit with your, right. your experienced guys at the back and your freshmen at the front. But they like their freshmen Charlie Lee Brandt and Mike Compton. Um, and those guys so far have pitched very well for them, and they, they've been a little bit uh, poised beyond their years maybe. So. Um, I think they can win a lot of games with those freshmen in the rotation because their team is awfully complete. Yeah, Robert Benincasa probably having about as good a year as any closer in the country right now. I mean, uh, no earned runs, no runs allowed, period. Uh, 23 to 2 strikeout to walk ratio. And again, James Ramsey, I mean, Mike Zanino's having an amazing year and he's a catcher. But James Ramsey, 427, 564, 890. I mean, it's hard to uh, have stars in college baseball who have these crazy years. But Mike Martin has had more guys have these kind of years. Uh, and James Ramsey's having a Stephen Drew as a freshman or uh, Buster Posey as a junior or J.D. Drew as a junior kind of year. He's just having the, he's a monster. I know I'm leaving some guys out, but he's unpitchable right now. Like Just watch that Virginia series. I mean, yeah. Virginia tried a lot of different ways to get that guy out here and didn't seem like they had a consistent answer. Yeah, he he had three homers this weekend, one in each game against Wake Forest. Uh, it's a good Wake Forest pitching staff too. Um, he just, you know, that's that's the thing is, people kind of wondered if scouts, I guess, wondered if Ramsey was a little bit of a tweener. I mean, the power, um, you know, how's it going to play? So far, it's really played. He's got nine home runs now, I think. Um, you know, and and he just does everything on the field. I, I think I heard this weekend that he's the first player. 
uh, ever to wear the, the, the C on his chest for Florida State. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they just love Ramsey and the energy that he brings. And you can just tell how he's, he's the general for that team. and makes, you know, he, he makes sure everybody is, is in the right spot. And um, he's, just, uh, he's just a lot of fun to watch. You know, he, he makes plays defensively. Um, he makes plays on the base pass. He certainly makes plays with his bat. Uh, it's, just, it's just a great player. And, and Virginia, to its credit, rallies from that series loss to the Seminoles that sweep last weekend. You know, sweep Clemson. Starting to have some real questions about whether Clemson's, you know, they're kind of in the Vanderbilt yeah. boat right now. 11-11 and 11 overall, 3-6 and six in the league. Uh, you know, Maryland got off this great start, but they haven't gotten things going in conference play. Um, you know, right now, Georgia Tech really struggling, Aaron. Um, just defense, and I've moved Luke Bard in the weekend rotation where he threw well this weekend, but the Yellow Jackets drop all the way out of the rankings this week. It's, a, it's looking like a top-heavy Atlantic Coast Conference, uh, Florida State, North Carolina, Miami. I think NC State, especially if they can win tonight, uh, really setting itself up to be maybe not just a, a, a regional team, maybe a regional host if they can finish right. the top three of the ACC, Aaron. I mean, that's, and that seems plausible. Yeah, it does seem plausible. I agree with you. I think the league is, uh, as you put it, I mean, there's some, some teams there in the middle with some real question marks. You know, Virginia has been up and down. I mean, I like Virginia okay. Uh, I like Clemson okay. But, uh, you know, neither of those teams feel to me like a regional host this year. Um, I mean, maybe, you know, it's early yet. It is right. still, you know, it's, it's, starting to, it's starting to get toward the middle of the season. But, you know, there's still time for one of those teams to get hot and, and you know, put together a hosting kind of a resume, and certainly we've seen them do it before um, with those coaching staffs. But these are these are different teams, you know. And uh, I think NC State might be better than both those teams right now. I think they are. I th- I think so too. Uh, we still have a lot of. I still think NC State has some bullpen issues. You got to get Chris Overman back. They want the, the way they want him pitching uh, velocity wise. Uh, they used the freshman Orwig uh, Sunday with the game on the line. That was a surprise. Uh, I saw him throw a bullpen earlier this year because he it was only his fourth outing. Uh, a very difficult situation to put a freshman left-hander in, uh, fourth outing of his college career on the road in a tie game in the ninth inning. But uh, that's what Tom Holliday chose to do, and, uh, and Elliot Ava, their head coach, and uh, they lived with it. Uh, gave up a game-winning hit to uh, Tommy Coyle. So I think tonight's going to be an exciting game, Aaron. Uh, looking forward to going to that one. And, uh, you know, now we can focus on baseball here in the Triangle area. Now that both uh, all the talk in this area was an NC State-North Carolina meeting for the uh, regional championship in basketball, and uh, Kansas took out both of them. So uh, uh, we, we can just focus on I, I hope that some of the local fans here pay attention to, to college baseball. Uh, how's the tennis been at games you've been to, Aaron, this year? I mean, like the, I was blown away by the 82-42 uh, crowd at the Carolina Stadium uh, Thursday night uh, for the Gamecocks. Uh, they rolled out the Garnet Carpet garnet carpet for me uh in columbia last thursday and uh, i had a great time at that game uh but amazed amazed by the passion of the fans there in the, in the palmetto state what's it been like for you uh out in california this year and then some of the big 12 teams that you've seen uh, what's what's the, what's the tennis been like just anecdotally yeah I, I would call it disappointing except you have to have some expectations for it to be disappointing and, and <laughs> they just don't get fans they just don't get fans out here and frankly it's uh it's it's a little you know it's frustrating. You, you got Texas A&M coming all the way out here. You got a great weekend for baseball. Friday and Saturday were both beautiful. Uh, and I think the Aggie fans, you know, outnumbered the Wave fans uh, this weekend in Malibu. And that shouldn't happen. It's a good Pepperdine team. I guess um, Pam Anderson a nice was not ballpark. there. She wasn't there. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and this is it's just crazy, you know, I mean, you, come on, I'm, I'm, t- I'm so tired of the excuse, there's just too much else to do in Southern California, give me a break, it's not like people are going to the beach every day, people take the beach for granted, you know, they're not going to, not driving into LA, going to the museums, I mean, what else are they doing, you know, there's people, people could be doing other things anywhere, uh, you know, come watch some baseball, for God's sakes, we've got great baseball out here, I'm tired of these these, you know, you get you get fifteen hundred fans and it's a great crowd. Give me a break. Come watch baseball. Aaron said rant of the day. I am happy to give up the rant of the day title that I usually win uh, handily. There's <laughs> usually not much of a with Aaron out of the office. Uh, there's usually not much of a race for that. So rant of the day, outstanding stuff, and that's kind of what I was almost hoping for, but I didn't get my hopes up. My expectations were low, just like yours for attendance you know, out they, on the West Coast. 
Yeah, it's, it, would, it wouldn't bother me so much if it weren't for the fact that they've got really good baseball teams out here. They, you know, I mean, UCLA is uh, number six in the country, and they draw they draw pretty well uh, by West Coast standards, which is to say that they you know they get a thousand fans a game. Uh, you know, but I mean, right. that's not good enough. I, well, we, I, we need to we need to we need to find some way to get West Coast people to care. Well, I, I tell you what, uh, the fans of South Carolina care, and uh, sure. I was so impressed. And I've always been impressed by South Carolina's fans and their attendance at, ball, ball, at the ballpark. And Sarge Fry, I always thought I had a great atmosphere, and I always kind of enjoyed going to Sarge Fry. Uh, but Carolina Stadium, I mean, that's a uh, – I, I cover uh, – I do games. I work games at the AAA level. That's a AAA caliber ballpark. Uh, it's a big-time yeah. ballpark for baseball and a great atmosphere and uh, – I, I'll, I'll needle Andrew Kiddick. They need to, you know, make the players available to the writers before they do the video, or maybe in, in conjunction, or maybe they do the video uh, before they make them available to the writers. But uh, still fun, uh, fun to cover stuff there, and uh, had a great talk afterwards with uh, Ray Tanner. And st- so much fun. I have so much respect for Coach Tanner, and uh, and then again uh, after the emotion of that night, and there, I think it just told told me so much more about Florida and why I'm very confident in Florida being our number one team because. Uh, they were like professionals, Aaron, and went out and won the last uh, two games of the series. So great stuff, as always. The podcast went longer than I wanted it to go, and I, I apologize for that. But thanks for all your time today, Aaron. And thanks, everybody, for the download. The Baseball America College podcast is sponsored by ATEC, the baseball training machine company. And ATEC, we're committed to delivering tools to coaches to help train and develop players. Visit ATECsports.com to learn about training mechanics – I'm sorry, training machines that can help make your practice more effective and efficient. See training tips and practice drills from Vanderbilt head coach Tim Corbin and more on ATechSports.com. ATech win every practice. Aaron, where are you headed this upcoming weekend? Uh, I think the, the the main attraction for me this weekend is going to be uh, St. Mary's is in town at LMU. I'm going to go see Martin Augusta on Friday night and Patrick Wisdom and Troy Channing. Uh, I like that Gale t- team and uh, looking forward to getting a look at them. I believe you're going to go see Kyle Bearclaw too. Is that what I hear? Kyle Bearclaw, yeah, that's that's another one. He's he's uh, he's gotten off to a pretty good start, I believe, for for St. Mary's. Yeah, I almost threw his name in earlier when you were talking about college senior pitchers, but I I I, uh, <laughs> I held off. Uh, one of the all-time personal cheese balls. You should, uh, if I were uh, out west and I went to go see Kyle Bearclaw pitch, I would go interview him and give him a present him with a Bearclaw as he before the game that he could eat afterwards, because uh, that's just a, a tremendous name and. Uh, uh, been a fun career to follow. Uh, on that ridiculously bad pun note, uh, I want to thank everybody again for the download. Thank Aaron Fit for the time. Thank our new podcast computer. Getting some bugs worked out still here, but uh, Source Interlink Media and Grind Media coming up with the new infrastructure here at Baseball America. So our, our first time here on the new podcast computer. Hope it sounds good. And we're going to, I think, have more new equipment coming uh, forward at Baseball America, both in terms of helping us to be more consistent with video and, and helping uh Take Baseball America across all the different platforms like we've been trying to do the last few years. For Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next Monday on the next Baseball America College podcast. So long, everybody.